Well, good morning, Riverside. How are you? Blessed. Blessed. It's a rainy day. Guys, we're talking about rain today. It's kind of ironic, and I don't think it's actually irony. I think it's a God that uh, everything's really about rain today. I have this uh, umbrella here. This is uh, my daughter's umbrella. She loves it. There's the, yeah, it's mine. Yeah, this is my umbrella, and I'm not ashamed. I'm proud of it. But you see my daughter up there. There's a picture. Thank you, Steve. She has a frog umbrella. Guys, my daughter, uh, she, she loves her umbrella. Uh, I think part of it, because it's a ladybug or it's a frog, but I also she hates uh, water in her face. She does not like water in her face. Um, so she loves the umbrella. A lot of kids, you know, they love to play in the rain. Do they not? They love to play in the rain. It, what, it's refreshing. It's uh, invigorating. Um, it's fun for them. It's cooling. It's quenching, right? And at some point, though, as a, as a child or maybe in our adolescence, uh, we begin to see rain differently. Uh, we begin to see it differently. And we begin to see it as a hindrance, right? We begin to see it more as a hindrance. And we think about really the downsides of rain. Kids don't think about the downsides. But as adults, we start to think about the downsides. And we start thinking about uh, just wetness and drenched clothes and the cleanup. Um, the mud or, or, or whatever it is. So we try really to avoid the rain. And man, guys, uh, some of us love the umbrella. Some of us love the umbrella in our lives uh, spiritually. Some of us, you, we may not even know it, but we're holding up an umbrella above our heads and we're blocking. We're blocking God's blessings from raining down on top of us. And like I said, some of us, we don't even know we're doing it. But we need to be told these things, and we need to explore God's Word and, and be explained these things. And man, I've learned so much from this text, and it's been challenging for me. It's been convicting for me. Guys, God wants to rain blessing on us. He wants to rain blessing on us. Now, don't get me wrong. Not necessarily material things or temporal things. Not those things necessarily. But He wants to rain joy on us. He wants to rain fulfillment on us. He wants us to rain significance on us. He wants to rain peace on us. So whatever our circumstances are, whether we got a lot of stuff or we don't got a lot of stuff, it doesn't matter. I have joy because of Jesus. God wants to rain blessing on us in those senses. And see, this wellspring of life, it's right under our noses. It's right under our noses, but we refuse to surrender our own way of thinking we refuse to surrender our own way of thinking or, and we lean on our own understanding. Guys, how do we ditch the umbrella? How do we ditch this thing in our lives? That's what I'm calling this sermon. We're going to ditch the umbrella today. And I want to give you three answers from this text. From this text, and we're going to explore last week as well a little bit. But I want to give you three answers. So before we get into that, let's read the text. The text is up there. And then we're going to do a little bit of recap. We're in 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 41 through 46. And the scripture, it says this, And Elijah said to Ahab, Go up and eat and drink, for there is a sound of the rushing of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, 
And Elijah went up to the top of the Mount Carmel, and he bowed himself down on the earth and put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. And he said, go again, seven times. And at the seventh time, he said, behold, a little cloud like a man's hand is rising from the sea. And he said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down, lest the rain stop you. And in a little while, the heavens grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he gathered up his garment and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Guys, I want to just turn back time a little bit and just recap where we've been, because this is huge. Guys, Israel's vitality was directly tied to the spiritual well-being of their king and his obedience to God. And we're well beyond the reign of David. David was a man after God's own heart, and Israel experienced tremendous blessing, and they prospered under the reign of David, but we're long past the reign of David now, and the kingdom is now, it's fractured in two, it's split in two. This is really bad. It's not a good thing. There's civil war happening between these two groups now within Israel, Israel and the tribe of Judah. So Israel is split into two. And we're about six kings deep into sin and idolatry and darkness uh, in Israel's history. King Ahab is our king now, and he's perpetuating sin. He's perpetuating sin. Idolatry is the umbrella that Israel and Ahab are holding up above their heads. Their idolatry is their umbrella. And guys, as a result, God has brought a three-year famine a three-year drought. Think about that. That's a long time. A three-year drought on the land. So last week, we saw a showdown between Baal. You guys remember that? We saw a showdown between Baal, which was a false god, which was the god that uh, Ahab was worshiping and, and, as an idol and then leading the nation into idolizing this false god, Baal. And the god of Israel, the one true god, was this showdown. As Elijah boldly challenged Baal's 450 prophets to summon their false god to bring fire upon a bull that Elijah set up. Now, Baal was nowhere to be found. He was nowhere to be found because he's false. He doesn't exist. He doesn't exist. We would expect that to happen. But who showed up? The God of Israel. God showed up. And he sent fire upon the bull the people saw it, they fell to the ground, and what they shout? The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. There was revival. There was revival. Elijah, now in this text, he now prays for the three-year drought to end. He prays for rain, and the rain comes. Guys, but this is, there's, there's much more to this than prayer. You know, there's a, there's a layer of prayer in this, in this message that you're going to get, but guys, it's so much more than just prayer. We got to get to the roots. We got to get to the roots of this prayer that Elijah is praying, and we're going to see how it affects uh, and has an impact on our lives. Guys, it's more to it than just prayer. I'm not sure if you've noticed, but we've been in the middle of a gospel story. You hear sometimes, man, the gospel is everywhere in, in the Old Testament, you know, but it's hard to find that. It's hard to see. Like, I get that. But man, it's hard to see the gospel. Guys, we have been in the middle of a gospel story. 
here in 1 Kings, in the middle of one, the past few weeks. I want you to see the gospel. That's what I want you to leave here with. Yes, we're going to talk about prayer, but guys, the roots of this prayer is the gospel. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God gives us a gospel here in his Old Testament scripture. Guys, and I want you to cling to it. I want you to cling to the gospel. I want you to cling to Jesus. And as you do, prayer, this prayer that you see is just going to be a byproduct. It's important, but this prayer is just going to be a byproduct of the gospel working in and through your heart as you live your everyday life. Guys, the gospel you see today is the way for receiving not what you want, It's the way for receiving not what you want, but it's the way for receiving all of God's promises that he wants for you. All of God's promises that he wants for you. Namely, himself. Firstly, himself. His freedom. His peace. His joy. His security. His love. Working in and through our hearts. Guys, how do we ditch the umbrella? And stop hindering these blessings from raining down upon us in our lives. Guys, the first thing I want to talk about is this, is this, it'll be on the screen. I want to talk to you about three things. The first thing is just praying from a gracious sacrifice. Praying from a gracious sacrifice. Guys, remember, I want you to see the gospel here. There's a gospel movement taking shape. Last week, it was a showdown, it was like this contest between this false god Baal and the God of Israel, it was so much more than a contest. It was so much more than than, than a showdown. Guys, at its heart, it was a sacrifice. It was a sacrifice. And guys, whenever you see in the Old Testament a sacrifice, God wants to tell us something about his gospel. He wants to tell us something about his gospel. At its heart, Last week, it was a sacrifice. Elijah made a sacrifice atoning for Israel's sins. And guys, today, in this text, Elijah is praying from a gracious sacrifice. As for revival, a sacrifice must be made. For a revival in our hearts, for a revival in our lives, there has to be a sacrifice. Only then God can remove his judgment No sacrifice, no rain. No sacrifice, no rain. First the forgiveness of sin, and then the blessing. First the forgiveness of sin, and then the blessing. First the sacrifice for sin, then the showers of rain come. Guys, there's an order to all of this that we see in this text. God's trying to tell us something. First the sacrifice, and then the rain. Guys, through this sacrifice, many people ditched their umbrellas. The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. Many ditched their umbrellas and they turned back to God. Their hearts turned back to the Lord. There was revival. There was revival in their hearts. Guys, in this rain that we see in this text, it was sheer grace. Sheer grace. Because if you remember back how this drought started, how did it start? It started because of Ahab. It started because of Ahab and his sin and leading the nation into sin and idolatry. Guys, this drought, it doesn't end because of Ahab. It started because of him, but it didn't end because of him. 
What grace? This just ended because of God. He's always trying to turn His people back to Himself. And He's always giving grace freely. Ahab didn't do anything. What does Elijah say? Elijah's just like, dude, just go eat and drink. Now there was a point behind that. It was a ceremonial thing. After a sacrifice was made, there was a meal to be eaten. But Elijah did not do anything to receive this grace. Guys, Jesus is the once and for all sacrifice for our sins. It is sheer grace. We do not deserve it. Jesus gave his life for us. We don't do anything for this gift from God. Guys, we need to be praying. We need to be praying from this gracious sacrifice. That's the roots of our prayer as we follow Jesus. Guys, what is the foundation of your prayers? What's the foundation of your prayers? What are the roots of it? What's undergirding your prayers? Is it the sacrifice of Jesus? Or is it your own sacrifice? Are you coming to God? God, look at all that I have done. Look at my performance. Look at my track record. I have done good things. I'm a good person. So you need to do this. Look at everything that I've done. Look what I've sacrificed. Is that, is that what's undergirding your prayers? Guys, Jesus' sacrifice needs to be undergirding our prayers. Guys, are you praying from Jesus' sacrifice? Man, if, if, if you're not, maybe you haven't given your life to Christ, and if you're not and you pray, does that mean God doesn't hear your prayers and that your prayers are just missing Him? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think God hears everybody's prayers. I do. But answering them is a totally different story. God can answer your prayers if you're not in Christ. He can, and I'm sure He does for people all the time. But guys, we don't have the assurance. We don't have the peace and the assurance that comes from a relationship with Jesus through His sacrifice that God is going to come through for us in our needs. God is going to come through. We don't get that assurance. Guys, our prayers, they lack redemptive power outside of Jesus' sacrifice. Our prayers are not covered in His blood. Our prayers aren't hidden in the righteousness of Christ. They're not hidden in the righteousness of Christ. Guys, we can't expect God to answer our prayers if we're shunning and spitting on His grace. We cannot expect Him to answer our prayers if we're shunning His grace. Shunning His gift. Shunning His love. Guys, Elijah, he needed the gospel on that altar. That is the gospel. That sacrifice, he needed that. Elijah needed that gospel on that altar to happen before he could pray for the rain. He needed that to happen. Guys, before we can receive any of God's promises and His blessings for us, we must receive atonement for our sins through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Guys, we need to get right with God. We need to get right with God before we can receive any rain from God. Guys, the second thing I want to talk about here is just this concept. So praying from a gracious sacrifice, praying from a promise. Guys, as the gospel takes root in our hearts and we're going to pray for God, for God's promises, we're going to pray from His promises. 
You see, Elijah, he prayed from a promise. Earlier in the text in chapter 18, verse 1, God said, go, show yourself to Ahab. This is before the showdown, the sacrifice. He says, go, show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. That's a promise. I will send rain upon the earth. Whenever God says, I will, you best believe he's going to do it. That's a promise. That's a promise from God. I will send rain upon the earth. You see, God's promises, just because he promises things, it doesn't make prayer unnecessary. Oh, God, you promise it. I don't have to pray. You're just going to do it, right? No. God doesn't make our prayers unnecessary. Guys, what they do is his promises teach us about what to pray for. How to pray in the will of God. That's what his promises are for. They're to bless us and to teach us what to pray about. Where to pray from. You see, Elijah, he didn't pray so God would bring the rain. He prayed because. He prayed because God promised it. God's promise aligned Elijah with his prayers. His promise set himself up. His promise taught him how to pray in this situation. It didn't make the prayer unnecessary. It taught him what to pray for and what to pray about. But guys, we must learn what his promises are. we got to learn what God's promises are. And then we must turn his promises into prayers. Turn his promises into prayers and just start turning the wheel. Start turning the wheel. Start generating what God has said that he is going to do for us in his word. One of my favorite promises, and I can't explain it, it it's just something that God has oppressed on my heart, is in Philippians 1.6. It's one of my favorite promises, and for some reason, my heart always draws back to Philippians 1.6. It says, Paul says, I am sure of this. And this is the Spirit of God working in Paul. He says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. I say to myself, God, you started this. You started this. You're going to finish it. Whatever the hurt, whatever the pain, whatever the struggle is going on, man, when I came to Christ, you started this. I trust you all the way through. It's like he's painting a portrait, and all the hurt, every hurt and every pain is a brushstroke from God. It's all a brushstroke from God, and I believe that. My heart always goes back to those promises, that promise right there. And I pray from that promise. I pray from that promise. God, I'm confused. I can't understand some things here. You know, there, there's hurt. But I, you say this. This is what you say. And I'm going to pray again and again to see you follow through on this promise. And he does. He does. Do you have a, a favorite promise? Do you know the promises of God? What's your favorite promise from God? Man, if I asked you one day on the street, you know, if I saw you, hey, man, what's your favorite promise? Would you be able to say I don't know, maybe not. Guys, we need to know his promises. God's going to impress his promises on your heart. Life is in his promises. But some of us, we don't know what they are. And it begins with God's word. One of our umbrellas that we put up above us is just, man, we're just not in his word. We're not in his word. 
allowing the, the, the Spirit to minister to our hearts. And we're blocking His ministry from flowing into our hearts. Guys, the third thing I want to talk about is praying from a promise persistently. That's a lot of P's. Praying from a promise persistently. Guys, as the gospel takes root in our hearts, we're going to pray from God's promises persistently. Elijah prayed persistently. He would not take no for an answer. He knew God promised this, and he was going to keep praying. The scripture says seven times. I believe he would have prayed 14 times. I believe he would have made that servant go back 21 times. Look at the servant. He keeps going back. He listens. This is a persistent process. He's turning the wheel of God's promises through prayer. And it comes from a sacrifice. And it comes from this sacrifice. Guys, God answers your prayers right away. He does. He answers your prayers immediately. The moment you send that up, the problem is for us is we don't always see his answer right away. That's a problem for us. But he does answer them right away. It's not like God's up there just waiting. I'm going to wait a little on this. You know, I'm just going to chill on this and you know, wait. No, he answers them right away. We just don't see them right away. Where is the famine in your life? Where is the famine in your life? Despite seeing nothing, this is convicting for me. You know, one of my struggles is prayer. This is convicting for me. Despite seeing nothing, man, are you willing to trust Jesus? And are you willing to pray, maybe for the rest of your life, for something? Are you willing to pray every day for the rest of your life? And you may not see an answer. Maybe his answer is the last day of your life. Are you willing to pray the rest of your life for something that you so badly and deeply want in your life? Persistent prayer. Are you willing to go again? Like he tells the servant, go again. Go again. Are you willing to go again and look and pray and look and pray and look again? Are you willing to do that? Maybe for a week or a month or a year or the rest of your life. Guys, if we believe in his promises, then we will persistently hold on to his promises and we will pray them consistently when the gospel is taking root in our hearts. Guys, for every famine in our lives, there is a cloud. For every famine in our lives, there is a cloud. You see, faith is much less about getting things from God like I said, material things and, and these temporary things, as it is about Him giving us the power and the blessing to live a certain way. God wants us to live a certain way. Live a certain way for Him. He wants us to do that. Man, when I first came to Christ in 2008, I experienced the rain pretty quickly in two areas in my life. I recognized it. Man, He was drawing my heart towards my parents. I love my parents as much as a punk kid could love their parents but I never really honored them. Honor is different than love. I never really honored my parents. God was drawing my heart abundantly back to my parents and, and just giving me a heart to honor them. One of the Ten Commandments is what? Honor your mother and your father, right? The other thing, that he just reigned abundantly in my heart to live a certain way, to experience freedom through, I had a potty mouth. 
I know some of y'all can't imagine this. None of you know me back, back then. None of you know me back then. I had a potty mouth. I did. Sin is regrettable, but I'm not ashamed of it. It's part of my testimony now. Amen. Guys, it was almost like that. As I was getting into God's word, man, he just like tamed my tongue. But I experienced freedom through it. I wasn't tied down by my tongue. And what are some of the Ten Commandments? You shall not bear false witness, right? You shall not, you shall not bear false witness. Don't take the Lord's name in vain, right? Man, he is working these things into my heart. They're not just commandments. Man, these are serious things that God wants to work in our hearts, and, and they're relational things. They're relational things. They matter. Uh, they, they, they have to do with other people around us. Guys, you see, the rain we see in this scripture was a deluge. I want you to see that. It was like a torrential downpour. God didn't want to just lessen the famine. I mean, he just totally rained a torrential downpour after three years of drought. He just sinks this place in rain. And he wants to do that in your life. He wants to do that in our lives. This revival we see is a wonderful true story. But we'll also learn in coming weeks that it was short-lived. It was short-lived. This cloud, you see, it was enough for them in that moment. It was enough for them in that moment. And we should revere this as God's word. And this is amazing. And this is what he wanted to do in that time. But we know as we read through the scriptures, that cloud, it wasn't enough. It was short-lived. They're turned back to the Lord. Guys, we learned that Israel and its kings fall deeper into sin and corruption and turn further away from God. We learned that. There's a famine in the land because there's a famine in the place that we can't see. There's a famine in our hearts. And they needed more than this cloud. And God had something much, much greater coming. Something permanent coming. Guys, Elijah was Israel's bold prophet interceding for them to God. But God had a greater prophet coming. One greater than Elijah. Guys, as Israel's king, Ahab failed miserably. This guy just jacked it up. This guy failed miserably, but God had a victorious king coming who would not fail, who would succeed victoriously. This servant you see in the scripture who obediently listens to Elijah and just keeps going and going and going seven times, God had a servant coming who would persistently listen to the Father, and he would keep going and interceding for us time and time again. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Guys, a Messiah who would come and be the ultimate sacrifice for our sins, the ultimate prophet, the ultimate king, the ultimate servant. He did not come to be served. He came to serve. Guys, a Messiah who would permanently end the famine in our hearts. You see, God is continually revealing pockets of famine in our lives, whether it's a marriage famine, a marriage famine, maybe a family famine. I got a family famine in my extended family right now. My family is jacked up. I've preached about this. You guys know about this. I'm praying about this, guy. Maybe it's a joy famine. Maybe it's a joy famine. I got no joy. Maybe it's an emotional famine. I don't know. There's so many things. Our hearts are so jacked up. But before we get the rain for the moment, we need rain for our lives. Rain for eternity before we get the rain for the moment. Guys, because of sin, there's a famine of separation from God. 
a famine of separation from God in our hearts and it causes us to do crazy things, does it not? We all see it every day in our hearts. Maybe we believe on some intellectual level in the sacrifice of Jesus, but we really believe that Jesus is not enough. Right? Israel, they believed in their God, but they believed that he was not enough. Right? Guys, Jesus experienced famine, leaving the abundance of heaven and coming into our famine. He bled dry so we could live through living water. And when we receive his salvation, the rain begins. Guys, don't you want to ditch the umbrella? Don't you want to ditch this? Don't you want to do this and run? You see, you, see, you see Elijah, he ran 14 miles across country. It doesn't say 14 miles, but they know to Jezreel from where they were in Mount Carmel was 14 miles. And he ran. The rain came. Commentators, that there's no consensus on why he did that. He was filled with the Spirit. Man, why, there's no reason to overanalyze Scripture. Can't, maybe he's just grateful. Three years of drought, imagine that. Maybe Elijah's jubilation, this guy is just grateful. Imagine running after three years of drought, the water just falling on your skin, getting into your hair. This guy is fired up. This guy is pumped. Don't you want to run? Don't you want to run free and fresh and focused on God? Guys, we can do this. But it's not out of our effort or out of our strength or out of our power. It's out of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's out of Jesus and his sacrifice, his gracious sacrifice. And then from there, from those roots, from those roots, we pray. We pray from that sacrifice and we pray from the promises of God and we pray persistently. Let's pray.